Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Can everybody turn to that camera right there for just a moment? As many of that are going to be in the camera shot, and let's wave to our live stream audience this morning. We're really glad to have you join us at One Cause today. God bless you. And to all of you who are listening by podcast as well, we welcome you. And thank you for subscribing to our podcast. Um, we, are, we are really honored and blessed that you would, um, you would take the time to, uh, to listen to what we do here. And uh, blessed to be able to get the gospel out in greater ways, greater measures. Well, I would like us to take our Bibles today. Today I want to talk to you about lessons that we can learn from creation, lessons from creation. And we're going to look at the book of Job, chapter 12. We're going to read a few verses here and learn some lessons from creation. While you're turning there, I came across this from Mary Beth Winchell isn't here this morning to take credit for this. So uh, anyway, she sent me this email and, and uh, of some reasons why athletes can't have regular jobs. Chicago Cubs outfielder Andre Dawson on being a role model. I want all them kids to do what I do, to look up to me. I want all the kids to copulate me. That's probably not a good idea. New Orleans Saint running back George Rogers when asked about the upcoming season. I want to rush for 1,000 or 1,500 yards, whichever comes first. <laughs> Joe Jacob of the Redskins said, I'd run over my own mother to win the Super Bowl. Well, Matt Millen of the Raiders said, to to win, I'd run over Joe's mom too. <laughs> Torin Polk University of Houston, he was a wide receiver there on his coach, John Jenkins. He treat us like men's. He let us wear earrings. <laughs> Have mercy. Senior basketball player at the University of Pittsburgh said, I'm going to graduate on time no matter how long it takes. <laughs> the boxing promoter Dan Duvel spoke of Mike Tyson going to prison. He said, why would anyone expect him to come out smarter? He went to prison for three years, not Princeton. <laughs> um, oh, Coach uh, Chuck Nevitt, North Carolina State basketball player, explaining to his coach, Jim Valvano, why he appeared nervous at practice. He said, well, my sister is in the hospital about to have a baby, and I don't know if I'm going to be an uncle or an aunt. <laughs> All right. I'll shorten your pain. Lastly, in the words of the NC State great Charles Shackelford, I can go to my left or right. Because I'm amphibious. <laughs> All right, let's, <laughs> let's get into the work today. Lessons from creation. I, I understand what time it is. Matter of fact, I made, a, I made a, a belt out of putting wristwatches all together. But it was a waste of time. Uh, Job chapter. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. Keep it going. Keep it going. 
Job chapter 12. Now let's read something worth coming to church for. Job chapter 12, verse 7. Job chapter 12 and verse 7. God is so good, isn't he? Now, But now, ask the beasts, and they will teach you. And the birds of the air, and they will tell you. And, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. And the fish of the sea will explain to you. What are they going to say and what are they going to explain? What are they going to teach us? Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In whose hand is the life of every living thing? Let me ask you a question. Where is your life? Where is your life? It's in his hand. In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? So you and I understand today that our breath and our life come from him and are in his hand. So what we do, what God has given us, In this gift of life and breath, the reasonable thing for us to do is to return what we do, what we say, how we live as our gift back to Him. Every day that we have been given is a gift. And what we do in that day is our gift back to Him. To say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this life that you've given me. I understand that my life is not my own. I understand that I have been bought with a price. And I understand I'm going to answer to the one who gave his life for me. Amen. And all of us will stand before him. But John says this. I love this, this verse of scripture in verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. I'll, I'll get to Job. I know where I'm going. 1 John 4, 17 says that love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Imagine that. Boldness in the day of judgment. For a child of God, for a believer, you have no reason whatsoever to be afraid of judgment day. None whatsoever. Because love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. In other words, he has made you just like him. You have become just like Jesus. Wow. So now now think about this for a moment. God sowed a seed called a son, didn't he? Jesus said, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. God set a, a, a standard in the very beginning of creation, a law, that is, that the seed produces after its kind. So when God sowed to the earth, sowed to us, S-O-W-E-D, a seed called a son, and that son went into the earth after he died. Guess what? He died as the only begotten son of God. But my family, when he came up out of that grave, he came out as the firstborn among many brethren. No longer the only begotten. He's one of many now. Hallelujah. He's our elder brother. And the scripture says, because the seed produces after its kind, that means, my family, that you are just as much, you better grab a hold of this, get a hold of this today, about your own life, see yourself in this way, that you are just as much a son of God as Jesus Christ himself. Otherwise, the seed did not produce after its kind. But don't you know, if God's going to watch over any seed, 
If he's going to make sure that any part of that law gets fulfilled of the seed must produce after its own kind, it's going to happen in that seed called his son. It's going to be accomplished so that you and I now stand. When we stand before Jesus, we stand in that day of judgment. We stand there boldly. Why? Because we can be just as bold as Jesus himself if he was standing before the judge. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And let me say this, as long as Jesus is the Son of God, so will you be. He's going to be the Son of God for a long time, which means you're going to be a Son of God for a long time, because as he is, so are we in this world. Man, oh man. Job 12, verse 7. Now ask the beast, and they will teach us. I want to just talk for a moment about... Some personal observances, as well as just some observances in the world. We're going to look at some specific things when it comes to what it is suggested to us now as the beast. So I want to talk about a beast that I came across the other day. Not the man in the mirror. See him every morning. (laughs) Thank God for beauty who married the beast. But... Pastor Brandon Marshall and I were invited by um, Randy Lazenby, a man in our church, um, to go dove hunting out in West Texas. So we uh, went out to out there to, uh, where were we, Santa, Santa Ana, San Saba, somewhere out there. Anyway, near Coleman, all that. Uh, and, and we had a guided hunt. We stayed out at this really nice house out there and and so we got up the next morning, and, and the guide took us out and set us out in this field, and we're uh, along the fence line, and you're looking out over this field and under a tree and, you know, getting a little bit of shade there to, in that cool morning. And then about 20 yards out or so from us, it was, it was mowed uh, field, but then once it got out about 20 yards further, it was just high grass out there and all kinds of things that would attract the dove to come in. So as I'm sitting there and waiting for some birds to come over, uh, not every bird that we shot landed in that easy-to-see, that mowed place. Some of them went out in the high grass, and therefore this guide introduced us to his little lab, his little 10-month-old lab, the little female, who he trained to go after the dove that we couldn't get to and we couldn't see, we couldn't find in the high grass. And this dog was amazing to me. She, he would, he would uh, as soon as he would see a dove go out there where we couldn't go, he would then call his dog, and she would run up there, and boy, she was ready to go. And then he would say, get him dead, get him dead. I don't know what that means by saying get him dead, but that's what he said. <laughs> get him dead, get him dead, get him dead. Boy, the dog would, and all of a sudden, we see the grass kind of moving around, and we could hear her back in, through there. And, and sure enough, every time that little dog came out of there with a dove in her mouth, one that we had shot, I was amazed by that. That little beast taught me a lesson. And I want to get that lesson to you today, that when God calls on you, take action. When God calls on you, take action. Be ready, be willing, be instant, any moment that when he, because let me tell you this, your God is going to call on you. He's going to call on you. If you're a child of God, he's going to call on you. He needs you. He loves you and he needs you in this earth. See, he created you with very special abilities and talents and gifts and a very unique personality that is unique to you and you alone. And so he's made you for his spirit, though we are very much alike in many ways as humanity and as people, yet we all have a very specific, unique way about us, one that broke, he broke the mold after he made you. 
so that he can use you in your unique way for his unique purpose in the earth. All you have to do is take action when he calls on you. Take action when God calls on you. Take action. Now let's look at this next thought here. And the birds of the air, and they will tell. So now the birds are going to speak to us. And I want to talk about a specific bird this morning. I have talked to you about a few birds over time, some fascinating birds. A couple of migratory birds that we've talked about are the, the bar-tailed godwit we talked about a couple of weeks ago where they tracked that female uh, godwit who traveled nonstop, nine straight days, fully flapping her wings all day long, every day for nine straight days from Alaska to New Zealand. Across the ocean, never, didn't drink any water, didn't stop to eat, none of that. Extraordinary. We talked about the golden plover that lives in Alaska and Hawaii, another migratory bird who is able to make a 90-hour flight on 70 hours of fuel. The secret to the golden plover is, is that it doesn't go alone. It flies with other plovers, and they form a V formation, which, which produces drafting, where some of them can conserve their energy in the flight and not have to use all their energy up along the way. They rely on each other. And the golden plover teaches all of us that when you're faced with an overwhelming task, that you don't go at it alone. That's the strength and the power of the body of Christ. I thought about talking about the eagle this morning. What an extraordinary, extraordinary bird this is. And watch these, separate, these different videos, how an eagle swooped down and literally picked up a deer off the ground and flew off with it. Amazing. And it's the symbol of our nation, symbol of freedom and liberty. But I thought about another one that gets, kind of gets a bad rap. This bird kind of gets a bad rap. It's a bit misunderstood. And we would even use this bird's name to call someone that in a derogatory way. And that is the great vulture. <laughs> the vulture is, on the surface, a nasty bird. If you're just looking at it, I mean, they're ugly as sin, aren't they? I mean, I don't know what God was thinking when he's building the bird, and then he gets to that head and thinks, let's just do this as bald and nasty as I can, all right? I'm just going to, just this bald head, bald neck, and gross looking. But there's a purpose to its baldness, and all the bald people in the room said amen. I'm... I love you. We've been friends since we were little boys, so uh, he'll kill me later. No, but the, but the, the buzzer does something that's really very important for society. That's for our overall health as a society. And that is the buzzer has the ability to eat things that we cannot eat, things that would kill us, things that would even kill other animals. They say that the buzzard's digestive system, its stomach itself, the acids in the buzzard's stomach are 100 times more potent than those in a human being. And it is able to actually eat, eat animals and things like anthrax, rabies, botulism, uh, cholera uh, bacteria cannot survive in the stomach of a buzzard. Just eats them up. So 
it is the trash man of society. Somebody has to do the cleanup work. And the buzzer has taken it upon himself to do that very thing. You see him eating roadkill. You see him eating things that nobody would ever touch. But in so doing, they protect disease from spreading to other animals as well as to us, especially in the, in the arena of anthrax and rabies. So next time you see a buzzard, thank him. Or vulture, I should say. I said buzzard. Yeah. How did I get over to buzzard? Vulture. You go over to vulture. You just say, thank you. Appreciate you, trash man. It's a buzzard in Texas? Okay. I, I knew that. <laughs> but the, the bald head is so that, so that it can be easily cleaned off. So none of this stuff sticks to it and gets into its feathers and causes infections or anything. So God has made it with that ugly bald head so it will stay alive and is able to do what none of the rest of us want to do. The lesson that we can learn from the, from the vulture. And the vultures are not just ground bears. And you know what's interesting about the vulture? It will, not, it will not attack a healthy animal. It will only, and this isn't very often, but if it does attack an animal, that animal is usually sick or dying already or infirmed. It's kind of a merciful killing, a merciful animal. It can also soar, soar for hours and hours and hours. One of them hit an airline, uh, an airplane, um, at 37,000 feet. So they can get up there with the eagles as well. But their main purpose is known in their cleanup ability. What I want to, the lesson from this vulture that you and I can take today, since we're asking the beasts and we're asking the birds of the air, is never underestimate the lasting effect of a humble service. Never underestimate the lasting effect of a humble service. Not all service is pretty. Not everybody wants to do what they do in that nursery. <laughs> but it's necessary. And it has lasting effect. Because what is happening in those acts of service that seem to be less than noble? Paul said it like this, there are parts of the body... That seem to be less than noble, but we're all members of the body of Christ, yet they are all necessary for the health and good of your overall church. Never underestimate the lasting effect of a humble assignment. And do it, remember this, for your God. Verse 8, or speak to the earth and it will teach you. Speak to the earth and it will teach you. You know, as passengers on this great planet called Earth, we're all carried around the sun at a fierce velocity of 67,000 miles per hour. The Earth itself, being around 25,000 miles in circumference at the equator, equator uh, spins at 1,000 miles per hour. So, because it takes 24 hours to make a full revolution, some a little over, actually a little over 1,000 miles per hour, we are going this way, and then we're going at 67,000 miles per hour around the sun. Um, also, that our entire solar system is, is whizzing around the center of our galaxy at a mind-blowing 560,000 miles per hour. We are on the move, aren't we? While you're sitting there today, you are on the move. 
And our whole galaxy is moving in respect to other galaxies in the universe. There's billions of galaxies. We have billions of stars in our own galaxy, but then we also have discovered that there are billions of galaxies. It's hard to even know what all is out there. And for all we know, the whole universe is moving. The scripture says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That all came out of him. But Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith, verse 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. When you read Genesis' account, Genesis chapter 1, you see God said, then God saw. 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 It all started with words coming from him. Before matter ever showed up, an invisible God spoke invisible words so that that which is visible did not come from that which is visible. All framed by the word of God. The earth is speaking to you and I today. This truth, and that truth is, let the word of God order your life. Let the word of God order your life. Think about it. All this spinning and all this speed that is happening, yet there is perfect order in all of it. Here we are. I mean, they're making all kinds of movies about things crashing into the earth and the end of the world. I mean, how many apocalyptic movies can they make? Uh, but, but, but yet, we don't see any of that coming to pass. Yeah, God has made it so it has order. Beautiful. What looks to be a possibility for chaos and utter destruction, yet it's all held together. It's all framed by his word. And if you'll be determined that you're going to frame your own personal world by letting the Word of God order your life, how is that going to happen? You're going to open your mouth and say what God says. It's that simple. You get the Word of God in your heart, you get it in your mouth. You believe that Word, you declare that Word until you see its effect in your life, until it begins the order that is in it into your life, the life that it comes to give us to take place in your life. Remember this, amidst all the the chaos of this world, the darkness that's out there, the disorder, there is something yet greater. And the Bible says the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is relevant for our lives right now. I'm amazed by the power of the Word of God. I'm I'm amazed by how it goes in and does this heart search on us, even just hearing the word, and yet we can have something that's not even applying to that scripture yet minister to our need. I I found this to be true, and I've seen this time and time again, but I remember one Sunday specifically, I had a young man come up to me. I think I've told you this recently, but I'm going to tell you again. Um, There was a a man came up to me after service, and and he said, man, pastor, that that, that message, that was right to me today. He said, said, "I, I was amazed how I've been having these kind of a quick temper, and I've been lashing out at my wife, and I haven't been saying the nicest things to her, and I haven't been treating her very well. He said, man, when you were talking about that, about treat, how we treat our spouse, and you know how do we need to be better about that and all that, and I'm sitting there thinking about, what did I talk about today? I didn't say anything about any of that. I was preaching on something completely different. Those words never even came out of my mouth, but that's what he heard. Why? Because the word is alive, and the word is relevant, and wherever the word of God is preached, see, the word starts seeking out. It starts looking at the heart. huh? It starts helping you with the issues of your life. That's why you just need to stay under the preaching of the Word of God. 
All right? Because it's relevant. It, it, I mean, any part of it, any time is, is here to help the spirit, soul, joints and marrow, body. It's, an, it's the answer for every man. Just keep yourself in the environment of the word being preached. Yeah. Amen. It's a powerful right. thing. Let, let your life, let your life be ordered by the word of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. And the fish of the sea will explain it to you. The fish of the sea will explain it to you. I, I, I was fascinated when I came across this fish. You can bring up the picture called the barrel eye fish. The barrel eye fish. Um, let's, yeah, look at this thing. Isn't that extraordinary? And freaky. Okay, you see its mouth here? Doesn't he look like he's kind of lonely? Looks a little sad, doesn't he? He'd been rooting for the Cowboys for 20-something years. <laughs> Poor guy. But what you see there, what appear to be eyes, are actually not his eyes. Those are his olfactory organs. They're more like nostrils. The green dome-like shapes are actually his eyes. And... This is what it looks like. I mean, this, this is amazing that God gave this fish a window of a head so that we can look, and look down inside it and see its parts. It was discovered in 1939 in a fisherman's net. Um, but it didn't look like that because that net had actually destroyed all of that clear stuff right there and, and mangled it. So they didn't really get a good look at this fish, my family, until 2004. This is the first image that we've seen of the barrel life fish. It's been there for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, and yet now, not until 2004, do we actually see it. And this fish is, is, is an interesting fish. It has, those, those eyes are looking up, and the reason they're, they're looking up, you can bring up the video too so they can kind of look at the nature of the fish, how it, how it operates, is that it, it, those eyes are looking up because it's looking for something to eat. It's looking for prey, and those long, those wide uh, uh, wing, uh, wings, not wings, but fins on the side, they move, they they're flat like this, so it basically looks motionless out in the ocean. And it does that so it protects itself from predator uh, so that it doesn't get any attention. So it's just a slow-moving little fish with his eyes looking up for something to eat. But once its eyes get set on something to eat, something interesting happens. It turns its body to head that way, and when it does, those green eyes come down. Like that, and then now its eyes are going to look at what its mouth is about to enjoy. And most of the time, they eat jellyfish. So this, which, you know, I don't recommend anybody trying that, but he eats jellyfish, and that, that crystal, that dome, that clear, transparent dome above his eyes help protect it from the stings of the jellyfish. And the, the fact that they're green also protect that fish from harmful sun rays because its eyes are always looking up toward the sun. So it keeps his eyes from being damaged by the sun and gives him actually a little better uh, range of view for what he's looking at. So he's focusing on the silhouettes of those prey that he is so longing to eat. The barrel eye fish. Oh, he lives about 2,600 feet below the surface. Most of his existence is in darkness. They say that certain, certain brands of this fish, their organs actually will glow in that dark, dark ocean. Interesting guy. The lesson that we can learn from the barrel eye fish, since we're asking the fish and seeing what they'll tell us about God, 
is that there is more to God than meets the eye. There is more to our God than meets the eye. That's why God invites us. When Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Hebrews says it like this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. There's more for him of him for you to experience, more of him for you to know, more of him for you to discover if you will just be diligent to seek him out. He's there. And, and let me remind you too that that fish can also teach you this, that hey, you might feel like you're out in a dark place and nobody's noticed you. Nobody's seen what you're doing. Nobody's seen your purpose. Your, your, your gifts haven't been discovered yet, but God knows exactly where you are and he will make sure. The scripture says when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. He'll take care of you, all right? You might not feel like anybody knows where you are, but let me remind you that God knows exactly where you are. And not only does he know where you are, he has a great purpose and a plan for your life. He's given you a destiny to fulfill in this earth, and it will be done because whatever God starts, he is sure to finish it. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? See, God has given us something to look at in creation. I mean, we see him in so many facets, and we understand him by faith, and we we know him through the scriptures and and through preaching and and fellowship with one another and the church at large and the earth in so many ways, but he's telling us specifically, look at creation. Let's look at this. When you're looking up, there's going to be birds. When you're looking out amongst you, you see the beast. And when you're looking below, you see there's fish. I'm everywhere is what God is saying. There's something from, for you to see in me, to experience about me, to know about me that I want to reveal to you. So ask the beasts and ask the birds and ask the fish and ask the earth. And they'll tell you, God did this. The hand of the Lord has done this. We are here because he's here. In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this great day. Thank you for this time together with all of these here. Thank you that you've brought all these here in this room today for your purpose and for your glory, God. I don't believe any of us accidentally showed up here or even of our own doing ultimately. Father God, you had an appointment with us here today. And I thank you, God, that you move on our hearts today and that Lord, these these simple lessons, Lord, would would help us have a greater awakening in our own selves, a greater understanding, wisdom, Lord, for our life, insight, God. Thank you that your word helps us in these ways, God. Helps us see things we can't see in the natural. Helps us know things we certainly couldn't know through even our own educational system. Father God, you invite us to come to the table and taste and see that the Lord is is good that you are good and we need to know that more than ever because Father God we're seeing things around us that are not good right now in our nation Lord there's so much troubling so many troubling feelings and factors about this coming election but here's the deal we're citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken Lord, we are in this world, we're not of this world. Lord, we're going to do what we know to do as Christians and to vote accordingly. 
We're going to do what we know to do in that way. But Father God, at the end of the day, you're our Lord. You're our King. And as, they, as, that, as it became their, their chant on that day, when our forefathers signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776, and they all rallied around this cry that day, no king but King Jesus. No king but King Jesus. Can we all say that together? No king but King Jesus. Let's do it again. No king but King Jesus. No king but King Jesus. So whoever sits in that Oval Office, Father God, in the grand scheme of things, it does not matter. Because that's not who our trust is in. That's not who we've laid all our hopes on. No, we have built our hope, our faith, our trust on the rock. Our rock. The rock that is higher than us. The one who is our strong tower. The one who is our deliverer. The one who is our defense. The one who is our very present help in time of need. Our help. Our strength. Our hope. Our God. Lord, we thank you for that. So Lord, we'll go out into this world as lights. And we'll declare light and darkness. And even as you divided the waters by putting a sky in the midst of it, Lord. We understand nothing's impossible for you. Even though you said, let all the waters be gathered into one place and let dry land appear. How you can move that much water with that much power, yet it was nothing for you. You just spoke the word. You've given us this ability today, God, as those who are created in your image, to speak the word and watch our enemies retreat. Watch sickness retreat. Watch disease go away. Hallelujah. Watch lack leave our lives. Father, we just declare your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that it all started for us. This power, this authority, this, this amazing hope and strength that we find in our God all started by hearing words. Even as creation responded to your words, so did we. And so do men continually when they hear words. Christ died for your sins. And he was buried. And he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It was that message that we heard. It was that message that we, that we believed. It was that message that caused a response in us. Our hearts crying out to call on you, God. And when we called on you, we were saved. And anybody that will call on you, even to this day, will be saved. Thank you for that glorious good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that has been given to all of us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.